It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Welcome to this episode of Kennedy Saves the World. And today we have to save your child from illiteracy and illogical schooling, which has plagued this country for quite some time. I know we've talked about school choice and education and teachers unions a lot on Kennedalia Saves the World. But today I want to talk about something a little bit different, because uh, obviously we're not doing something right when kids in other countries uh, for whom English is a second language uh, write and read English better than kids in this country. We might have some some problems on the uptake with our educational system. And when I was studying philosophy in college, I really liked it. I loved it. It, it made my brain very happy. I know not everyone likes philosophy uh, because it's so foreign because we don't teach it to uh, primary and secondary students. We just, you know, we teach them what is considered the one-size-fits-all basics, which, you know, nowadays there's so much of critical thinking being wrung out of education. So I've been sort of racking my brain, and it started because uh, last year when my daughter was a high school junior, she actually took a philosophy class, and she really, really liked it. So I started thinking to myself, why don't we teach philosophy more in school. And I can tell you what my version of philosophy is, but it's kind of boring and and basic. I'm really a civilian. I just have a a BA in philosophy uh, from UCLA. But, you know, every every class I took, I learned so much. And it actually, you know, people will ask me if I have a degree that applies to what I do. And I say, in everything and in nothing, because in so many ways, learning philosophy and, you know, learning logic and and modal logic and syllogisms and and things like that, it helped me formulate my thoughts in a way that I didn't know I was missing. Uh, But then you throw in questions about our existence and how we learn and the existence of the soul and all those things. And, you know, it's a very, very satisfying journey. And someone who has gone all the way joins me today. His name is Andrew Bernstein. He's written several books, including The Capitalist Manifesto. His latest book, Johnny Still Can't Read or Write or Understand Math and What We Can Do About It. Um, Andrew has a PhD in philosophy uh, from City University of New York. He has taught philosophy at SUNY Purchase, Marist College Hunter, and uh, SUNY New Paltz. And... He joins me now. Welcome to Kennedy Saves the World. Well, thanks for having me on, Kennedy. So do you do you agree with me? Because I think that the mind is primed for logic um, as soon as we start putting language together. And kids, yeah. preschoolers, toddlers, kindergartners, like they are always, they're constantly trying to bring order to the world. Should we introduce philosophy earlier in education you know kennedy if if we really want to teach philosophy to elementary school children i think it can be done but it's not my we could discuss the method that i would use but it's not my preferred way i would spend those elementary school years focusing on phonics teach the kids how to read uh you know make them strong readers 
reading children's books, writing paragraphs, teaching a lot of history, and by the, you know, and then graduating to great works of literature by middle school and early high school, Shakespeare, Dostoevsky, Sophocles. And by the time you get to junior, senior year in high school, then I think we could introduce uh, philosophy, which deals with such broad abstractions. And the kids will have a grounding in uh, humanities. They'll have all the examples from history and from great literature that, you, that we can refer to to illustrate the principles. But if you really determined to teach philosophy in the early grades, I think it can't be done. I mean, even I, it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to teach about pre-Socratic philosophers, you know, all the way up to Rawls. You can, you can teach kids, like, how do you put arguments together? How do you make the argument that mom and dad should give you more Oreos at bedtime? You know, if well, A, then B. Not A, therefore not B. Um, you know, it's like we teach geometry sometimes in eighth and ninth grade, and that goes hand in hand with the kind of logical thinking that comes from philosophy. Oh, yes. I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think here's, here's what we could do in, in the early grades if we want to teach philosophy. We have to we have to have stories, you know, uh, because we, the stories illustrate the principles. Unfortunately, there are children's versions of great works of literature. For instance, there's a child version of Oedipus the King, of Antigone, of Hamlet. And, and you, you could, That's kinky yeah. for a little kid. Yeah. Yeah, Oedipus. yeah, yeah. Oedipus sure. really, really, really liked his mom. <laughs> yeah, I know. I get it. But, you know, the, the theme there is fatalism. And so you read the story at the kids' levels, and then you could raise the question, you know, is my life really not in my hands? That the choices I make really don't have any bearing on the outcomes? Is there some God or fate? But I think kids naturally ask those questions. I do. You know, we, we just assume that those things only occur to the maturing brain. And, you know, I, I don't think that's necessarily true. I don't think it is the, the job of public educators especially to imprint and project the answers to those questions. But I think those kinds of questions should be encouraged. And again, maybe why we need more school choice. Maybe we need, you know, many different systems for different learners because, you know, what we're doing right now, it isn't working um, to the thrust of your latest book, Johnny Still Can't Read. What are we doing wrong that kids are having such a hard time with basics in this country? Well, uh, first, the, the title, Kennedy, is is Why Johnny Still Can't Read or Write or Understand Math. Yeah. You know, it's a, the title's a right. play on Rudolph Flesch's famous 1955 book, Why Johnny Can't Read. The why so was not on my sheet. Sorry. Yeah, that's OK. Why Johnny Still Can't Read. Why right. Johnny Still Can't Read. Why can Johnny not still read? It's the same reason that Rudolf Flesch pointed out all the way back in 1955 in his great book, Why Johnny Can't Read. Uh, and that is the, the American schools have, have largely, the schools of education that train our teachers have largely rejected phonics as the method to teach reading for look-say or a version of the whole word method. And it doesn't work. Phonics works. It's There's no remedial reading problems all over the world because they, you know, in, in the in the, certainly in the countries that use the Roman alphabet, because those countries in Europe use phonics. They, they, they teach the kids the, the alphabet, the sounds of the letters, the sounds of the combination of letters. And then it becomes very easy to decode the, you know, the, the literary symbols on the page to, to read. But the whole word method is a disaster. It doesn't work. And I can see my college students, not all, 
but some, you know, these are good American kids, 18, 19, 20 years old, and some of them struggle just with the mechanics of reading. That's they have so not crazy been taught by to me. Phonics. It's it's it, it's crazy, and it's it's just it's destructive. It's it's hard. So, who came up with that system? The the whole word method. That goes back to the 19th century. I don't remember. It's actually it's controversial as to who was the first to to uh, uh, articulate it or develop it. But certainly, when it becomes popular in the night in America, not, not not anywhere else that I know of, but in America in the 1920s at Columbia University Teachers College, this is when you know John Dewey was a big star in the in Columbia's philosophy department. And, William Hurd Kilpatrick, his leading disciple, headed the philosophy of education department at Teachers College. There was there was a professor named Arthur Gates uh, who, who wrote a book on on this, uh, why we needed to phase out phonics and use use the whole word method. And it was promoted by the progressive educators, especially the ones at Columbia, you know, Teachers College, who back then were training thousands and thousands, uh, you know, for decades from the 20s onward, were training many of the of the high school and elementary school teachers in the United States. The teachers' colleges prefer a method that doesn't work to a method that does work for a very simple reason. They don't want the kids to read well. Dewey made it, Dewey made it very clear he didn't want the kids to, to read well because it leads to selfishness. You know, you, you, when you, you could be independent, you could be autonomous, you could guide your own life. Whereas the political vision here is you've got to serve the state. Most people, you know, you, 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 tra- you train the brightest kids. They're going to go to college. They'll be society's future leaders in the legislature and in the classroom. And the rest of us don't need much academic training, a little bit. And we get a lot of practical skills of vocational training, driver's ed, hygiene, sex ed, wood shop. All of which are good skills, but I think should be left to mom and dad or after schools or vocational schools. Well, what's really funny training. is is a lot of those uh, those technical students have become Trump supporters. So take that, progressive know-it-alls, wiener dinner. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's a here's a philosophy professor and writer where the Democrats have turned me into an ardent Trump supporter, also. But uh, you know, by contrast to the socialism of the of the Democrats. But anyhow. Uh, so they they don't want the kids to read well. What they want want most of us to do is to be good at our vocations and obey the wise rules of the state. That's that's the goal of the of the teachers' colleges and the schools of education. Then, then why what, do progressives want everyone to go to college? Because obviously, well, uh, it, so much of the uh, education system in this country has failed us, but especially higher education. So why why do they want us to go to college? Well, so they could be indoctrinated with leftist propaganda, of course, so that they could be taught critical race theory that America, you know, is systemically racist, that, uh, you know, the white people are all inherently racist, that human cause warming is going to destroy the planet. You know, socialism is superior to capitalism. Uh, It is not. Capitalism is superior. There may be a better system. There may be an evolution of capitalism that we have not pondered yet. uh, But so far, in terms of better outcomes and lifting people out of extreme poverty, there's uh, nothing on earth beats capitalism and certainly not socialism. And socialism at its worst is the worst system that uh, this world has ever known and that humans have ever created. And, you know, this this dogmatic authoritarian utopia that really despises critical thinking it's it's interesting you bring up critical race theory but there's no critical thinking involved don't go anywhere more kennedy saves the world right after this 
From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. And that's another reason where why I want kids to learn logic. So they learn right. skepticism. They learn to push back on these ideas that, you know, they are taught uh, should be taken for granted, that they should just be assumed that they are true axioms. No, no, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, your full socialism is is national socialism or communism. You know, uh, it's, it's totalitarianism. And my favorite writer, Ayn Rand, in her books, Anthem, The Fountainhead, and Atlas Shrug, really shows, especially Atlas Shrug, really shows that how and why capitalism is morally superior as well as practically. But, you know, uh, critical thinking. Yeah, that's why I, I would focus on reading, writing, and math skills, because those are thinking skills. And once the kids are strong readers, they write well, they're, they're good in math. Uh, and also, you know, with uh, studying history, as the kids grow older, you can raise those kind of logical questions in those courses. You know, what were the causes of the Civil War? What, you know, why did the Americans, you know, revolt against against the uh, British and you look for the, the cause the cause and effect relationships there and you, you know that's that's critical thinking that's that's logic and similarly in literature you know if I was well I, have, I do teach literature you know I, I say I, I encourage all students to give their interpretation of, of, of the literary work but I also point out not all literary interpretations are created equal this is not anything goes like some people yeah think. I mean that's that's crude subjectivism and exactly Exactly. And this is critical thinking. I, I, you know, I, I, you know, I point out the, the interpretation of the text has got to explain the events of the story. It's just like science. You need a theory that explains in, in, in science. You need a theory that explains observed facts of nature. And in literature, we need a theory that explains the events of the story. And, and so these kids are they're in, they're engaging in critical thinking then without even realizing yet that it's critical thinking, but they're doing it and they're seeing it from their teacher. And then when they get a little older in high school, I think we can introduce formal logic. They've done it. They've been thinking logically all their lives. Now we can explain it to them explicitly and actually study Aristotle. Yes. You and, know. you know, I'm, I am a huge fan of modal logic. I, I think it is a, a beautiful thing, symbolic logic and diagramming sentences with symbols. And, you know, that's the basis for computer science so you know they they want more people especially young women uh to code and to get into tech and if they you know if they start with something like that and then further apply it to computer science uh that could be revolutionary i'm sorry that you and i are the only ones who care about the kids andrew (laughs) a lot of the parents still do kennedy you see them up in arms against the the school boards but uh yeah there's too many people that that think they would drop the kids off at school and the schools will educate them, you know, and, and, and the schools are doing their job and they simply aren't. That's why my book is, is, is devoted, is dedicated to the parents, is trying to show the parents. I think they need to pull the kids out of the public schools and then homeschool them or, you know, form or join homeschool co-ops or hire tutors or the micro schools, Kennedy. That's what's really exciting. Yeah, you know, that that's certainly, I mean, and, and that's why I'm a huge proponent of, school choice so parents know that there are more options out there because here in new york city you know we worked really hard to 
find schools that were, you know, solid and had good reputations and, you know, good social structures and um, that were academically sound. And, you know, we chose public schools because the private schools here, they're arguably worse. They really are. You just spend a lot of money. The parents are a-holes. Uh, they're, they're really annoying. And your kids grow up comparing just- themselves to people. Yeah, they ram leftist propaganda down the kids. It's it's the, even uh, believe it or not, it's it's I I can't believe I'm saying this, but it is worse in private schools here. Um, but you know, I encourage parents to find out why homeschooling doubled after the pandemic. Like parents, obviously, a lot of people, and it wasn't homeschooling because parents weren't choosing the curriculum. Uh, it was just these god awful teachers unions who kept schools closed. Uh, but parents, you know, it's like right. teachers were only teaching, like, quote unquote, in person on Zoom an hour and a half a day. And so parents were doing the rest. Um, but, you know, real homeschool programs where uh, right. you you right. you work within a system to give your child exactly what they need that's really going to enrich them. It's yes. it's phenomenal. You know, it's like I know a lot of people who are homeschooled and I know a lot of people who are homeschooling their kids and the the parent satisfaction rate is very high. Parent satisfaction rate with charter schools much, much higher than uh, anyone would let you believe. Yes. And another exciting fact here is that the leading demographic moving towards homeschooling in this country are black Americans. I think a lot a lot of black Americans have families have simply had it with with the with the schools in the the, uh, the atrocious schools. In, in many black urban neighborhoods. And so it's, it's exciting to see uh, black and Latino Americans move towards the homeschool. Yeah, and, and good for them new, because you know really what? Good. Yeah, very good. I, I, feel like, I feel like a lot of leftist politicians and the teachers unions, you know, they, they harp on and on about how charter schools are racist and school choice is racist and school choice is really a dog whistle for white parents. And it's like, no, if you have failing schools in black and brown neighborhoods and you have families that have absolutely no choice at all and they have to send their kids to horrible schools with no facilities and they are stuck there like prisons that is racist yeah, absolutely because the polls show very clearly that black american parents want school choice they you know they they're in favor of and let me let me just say one thing about the micro schools. What again, a very encouraging uh, development is that some of the leading teachers, and there still are a lot of good classroom teachers in the school system. They have to fight against the stifling bureaucracies, as some of them have are opting out of the system and, and forming you know small schools, small community schools on their own. Which, by the way, was how the great Marvin Collins got started. You know, in the late 1970s in Chicago, developed West Side Prep into a brilliant school. But, uh, you know, started with a few families and you're bringing back the one room schoolhouse, uh, you know, and these, these are generally the best teachers who use phonics to teach reading and recognize the kids need academic subjects. They need history, not social studies and so on and, you know, and, and, and so forth. And it's become so widespread a phenomenon across the country, Kennedy, that even a business magazine like Forbes ran a story on it a, a year or so ago. So this is an exciting development when the when the top teachers are opting out of the system with a few families with the equally disgruntled with the school system. You know, some family has a basement where they, you know, it's easy enough to set up a small classroom with chairs and tables and whiteboards and, you know, and 
and and such things. And so this is a very this is a very positive development. I, I think the micro schools are the future of American education. I think it's fantastic. It's it's good to know that there are choices out there. There is so much hope. Uh, parents are taking the bull by the horns. They are retaking this issue because their kids are just too damn important to them. Um, it, it doesn't matter if it's philosophy, objectivism, critical thinking, logic. Uh, there is a place for all of that, and especially with a, a parent and child-directed education, there are many more options than you even know, uh, thanks to this philosophy professor, Andrew Bernstein. Thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks, Kennedy. I appreciate, I appreciate you having me on. I love talking about all this stuff. This has been Kennedy Saves the World. I'm Kennedy. For more podcasts from my friends at Fox, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Oh, go ahead and leave me a review while you're there. I'd love to hear what you have to say. You've been listening to Kennedy Saves the World on the Fox News Podcast Network. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.